The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to be a superhero? Join clinical psychologist Dr. Janina Scarlett and host Dustin McGinnis as they explore the psychology behind your favorite TV shows, movies, books, comics, video games, and more. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett, clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So we just got back from watching Avengers Infinity War, and like many of the audience members, we came out with this shock and awe kind of attitude. It was very interesting to look around the theater and see everybody with like wide eyeballs and their mouths open and going, whoa, what just happened? So we felt like it would be a necessary opportunity for us to provide a little bit of a conversation and some support for not only the people who have seen the show, but ourselves. Needless to say, this is going to be a spoiler-ridden episode. We are going to discuss it pretty much at length, and if you have not seen it, this is more support for those who have, so go watch it and then come back, because you'll probably need it. This episode will be dark and full of spoilers. No doubt. As I was just saying, watching something like this, where we have a beloved character, or in this case, beloved characters, that we see experience some kind of trauma or death or whatever... (laughs) How do we as audience members deal with something that we've connected with this long and we have this connection? I mean, honestly, Black Panther just came out and it was amazing. I do have my ideas about where this is going, but it's still a shock to see everybody just get wiped out. Like half of the cast just get wiped out. You know, being in the movie theater, which was completely full, it felt like the entire audience was together as one. Every single seat in the movie theater was taken and every joke was met with laughter and every time we saw a beloved character return to the screen, there was applause and people were so into it and so excited. And then the last five minutes of the movie were completely silent. Nobody spoke. Nobody took out their cell phone. Nobody ate. Nobody chewed. Nobody looked around. People just stared at the screen. And then when the movie was over, pretty much everybody just stayed in their seat quietly, trying to digest. I think everybody waited for some kind of a relief in the end credit previews. And that didn't come because the end credit previews had more of the same destruction. And so as we started leaving, there were some people behind me that actually said, well, now I'm going to need to go to therapy and process this. (laughs) And I so badly wanted to say, hey, here's my card. But of course, that would be unethical of me. But you and I and, and, and our son all had this look of what in the world just happened. And I think that in a lot of ways, that understanding that we're not alone, understanding that this is now a worldwide felt grief, I think can be really powerful in terms of 
realizing that we're not alone. These characters become a figure of strength for us, a figure of healing. I know for so many people, whether it's Black Panther or whether it's Scarlet Witch or whether it's the Guardians of the Galaxy, these characters mean something to us. They, they represent maybe who we want to be or, or the kind of people we want to have in our lives. And to experience this loss is completely, completely understandable. And I think that allowing ourselves time to grieve is really important because these are not just movie characters. These are characters that inspire us. These are characters that give us hope. And especially someone like the Black Panther, I, I can just feel the worldwide loss. The optimist in me believes that this is not the end. And I have my own theories as well as to what might happen down the line with the characters that we lost. So I'd really like to think it's not over. But in the meantime, it is perfectly okay to grieve. It is perfectly okay to create support groups, to talk to your therapist or your friends or talk to other people within your fandom and support one another. I think this is that opportunity for community, worldwide community healing. Right. And I think that's what we're all going to need is some other people to talk to and communicate with. Because right afterwards, we talk to our roommate and everything. It, it does help to get a little bit of it off our chest and to kind of discuss it and see where we think things are going to go. I think that also this death and destruction and losing so many people that we know and love and care about is not unlike what some of the survivors of a terrorist attack go through. This might be what a lot of survivors of 9-11 went through. I was actually in New York at the time that it happened. I lived in New York. Thankfully, I didn't know anybody, but a lot of people did. A lot of people who worked at or near the World Trade Center lost a lot of people that they knew. Similarly, survivors of um, Columbine or Parkland or a lot of these other schools can probably relate to some of these experiences of losing a lot of people that they know and love and care about very, very quickly over a very short amount of time. I imagine that the remaining Avengers are going to have to go through some grief counseling in terms of learning how to cope with their loss. Tony Stark, especially, I think losing Peter Parker right in oh his my arms. Gosh, that was like the most heart crushing one of them all. It was devastating <laughs> because I, I think Tony um, almost came to think of Peter Parker as his son. He called him kid. And, and Tony promised Peter's aunt that he would protect him. And now Peter died in his arms and he died scared. Stark? I don't feel so good. You're all right. I don't. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. I don't want to go. I don't want to go, sir. Please, please, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I can only imagine how devastating that is. Tony already blames himself for other people's deaths, even people that he didn't know. In Civil War, we saw the, the deep guilt that he was carrying about a, a young man's death that he didn't even know. Oh, that's Charles Spencer, by the way. He's a great kid. Computer engineering degree, 3.6 GPA. Had a floor-level gig, an intel plan for the fall. But first, he wanted to put a few miles on his soul before he parked it behind a desk, see the world. Maybe be of service. Charlie didn't want to go to Vegas or Fort Lauderdale, which is what I would do. He didn't go to Paris or Amsterdam. Sounds fun. 
He decided to spend his summer building sustainable housing for the poor guests where? Sokovia. He wanted to make a difference, I suppose. I mean, we won't know because we dropped the building on him while we were kicking ass. But now to have this young boy that he cared about, that he took responsibility for, die in his arms, I can only imagine how traumatizing that will be for him. That was really rough to watch just in general, but having a connection with someone as close as Tony did to Peter, I mean, I can't even imagine. So I understand that there's actually five stages of grief. So can you go over the five stages of grief? Sure. So there are five identified stages of grief that people go through. Not everybody goes through all five. Not everybody goes through them in this order. And understand that some people, after having gone through some of these stages, then go back to some of the stages they've already gone through. So it's not a linear model. It doesn't mean that you go through all of them in order and then you're done. So the stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So denial is not believing that the loss has occurred or will occur and thinking that something else is going on and that there's a way to reverse it. It's possible that a lot of us are currently in denial or at the very least, um, I'm either hopeful, um, optimistically hopeful or maybe in denial, thinking that the future movies will reverse some of these effects. Anger is something that a lot of people might feel about the loss. They might start looking for blame about whose fault it was. And then many people actually turn on themselves. So many people might actually blame themselves for what happened. So I can see that happening with Tony. I can see Tony going through anger and blaming himself and going through the scenarios, the what-if scenarios, and wondering what he could have done to protect Peter. But the truth is there was nothing. There was nothing he could have done. Bargaining is the third stage. So bargaining means trying to do everything possible to reverse the situation, pleading, begging, just doing everything possible to try to save the loved one or bring them back. After bargaining comes depression. So depression is the deep devastating stage where the person might actually become too overwhelmed with depression and and grief emotions to be able to function. Then after that comes acceptance. So acceptance is allowing oneself to understand that this death has occurred. It does not mean condoning the way it had occurred, but it's the understanding that it did occur and it cannot be reversed. I might be one of the few people who kind of enjoyed the way it ended because it was a little bit refreshing for me to see something so drastically different than what we're normally able to see. It's not saying that I wasn't grieving for the loss of characters. I love, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy and most of them are wiped out. I think there's only Rocket left. (laughs) Yes, I think Rocket's the only one left. It's interesting to me that although I have this grief, I guess I accepted it. I I, I jumped ahead to the acceptance part of it and actually enjoyed the way it's going because this isn't the end. That might be denial, (laughs) Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. But I mean, I kind of came out there with a smile and I was a little punch drunk, but I definitely had a duality of emotions. There's a lot of grief when you come out of the theater and we actually see Thanos. Thanos was grieving too over Gamora and at the end it seemed like he finally got what he wanted but I don't think he totally looked happy to me he didn't look he, he looked like hmm I don't know if this was worth everything I did or I, I, I don't know I got that kind of vibe in time you will know what it's like to lose to feel so desperately that you're right yet to fail all the same 
dread it. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. Thanos is an interesting character because very much like Eric Killmonger in the Black Panther, Thanos believes in what he's doing. Thanos believes that he is destroying people and civilizations for the greater good. When I'm done, half of humanity will still exist. Perfectly balanced. As all things should be. I hope they remember you. He thinks that by wiping out half of the population, that this will allow the survivors to live in abundance or at the very least to survive, to have enough to eat. Well, he actually said that he did it to one culture or whatever, and they, they thrived afterwards. They're a thriving society now. Yeah. So he, here is a perceived villain who is a mass murderer who actually believes that his actions are justified because to him... He's doing the right thing. To him, he's doing this to protect everybody else. At the same time, he does experience grief just like everybody else. The only person, the only thing, the only being he's ever loved was Gamora. The little girl that he saved and, you know, who now became one of the guardians. And to him, he did pay a really heavy price, but it was a choice he made. She pleaded with him in the end. Um, and he didn't listen he he decided to continue the entire time i knew him he only ever had one goal to wipe out half the universe if he gets all the infinity stones he can do it with the snap of his fingers just like that it was a devastating scene to watch because I think up until the very end, Gamora also didn't know how much Thanos loved her. And I think Thanos has a really misconstrued and, and different idea of what love is. I think to him, love is trying to do what he believes is the right thing as opposed to protecting the people that he loves the most, which is Gamora's way. And it makes one wonder what is love. The Avengers, for example, and the Guardians, love means protecting people closest to you first and then trying to save the world. It means protecting, like Bucky, for example, for Captain America, or it means protecting Gamora for Peter Quill. But for someone like Thanos, it means by any means necessary for any sacrifice it's doing something for what he believes is the greater good. Now, we as the audience don't agree that it's the greater good. At least I don't agree that what he was doing is the greater good. I don't agree with it. But in his mind, it seems like he truly believed that his actions were just. And that makes him a really unique and interesting villain. So discussing villains and their motives for the greater good and everything. Can you talk about some of the heroism that you see in this movie? 
Absolutely. So being a hero refers to doing something for the greater good in terms of helping others, right? Even putting oneself in danger to help others. And we see um, someone like Vision, for example, doing that repeatedly where he's offering to sacrifice himself so that the Infinity Stone can be destroyed so that Thanos doesn't get it. And at the same time, there's also Scarlet Witch who's trying very hard to both protect the people that she loves, like Vision, and also help to defeat Thanos. I think we see multiple examples of that. What's interesting is that it's not only the superheroes that are showing heroism here, it's also some of the anti-heroes like Loki, who in the very beginning of the film actually risks and gives up his own life to try to fight Thanos and to try to protect his brother, Thor. We see that all throughout the movie, and I think what was really powerful about the film is that for the first time, different superheroes and even some superheroes and antiheroes come together for a common cause, for a common purpose. And I think when there is a villain that's big enough and bad enough, like Thanos, that is a threat to the whole world, that is when everybody can join a mission together and can come together and forget their differences and fight on the same side. There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. So whether it's Shuri working really hard to extract the stone from Vision to protect him, whether it's the entire nation of Wakanda coming together and fighting an enemy they've never even met because they believe that this is the right thing to do, we're seeing multiple examples of heroism all throughout the film. We see um, superheroes without any kind of superpowers like Black Widow, for example, taking on some really powerful alien villains. Everyone is coming together to fight for the planet, the people, and the cause that they believe in. And that's heroism. I think throughout the entire movie, just about every moment we see is a sacrifice of some kind. Is somebody doing something for what they believe in? And even Doctor Strange giving up the time stone to protect Tony Stark, or supposedly to protect Tony Stark, is him doing something that he believes in. And Doctor Strange's last words to Tony are, I'm sorry, this was the only way. Tony. There was no other way. Well, speaking of Doctor Strange, what do you think he was actually saying and where do you think this is going to go in the next installment of the series? So the optimist in me believes that all of this has to do with Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is a time traveler, and I actually think that when he went into the future and analyzed all the 14,605, I believe the number was, ways that this could play out, and then told Tony that there's only one way in which they win, I actually believe that Doctor Strange did everything he could to make that one way happen. So I think his last line to Tony, I'm sorry this was the only way, I think that was him telling Tony that this is the only way that they could try to win in the end. So I think that for whatever reason in this option, in this scenario where half of them get wiped out, 
something will happen to bring them all back. Another explanation for that is that this was the only way that they could win in terms of stopping Thanos. Whether that means that over time his powers will become weakened or people will be able to somehow power up against them, I don't know. But it is also possible that with half of them being gone, that is somehow going to be the way that Thanos is defeated. But the optimist in me would like to think that this was the very scenario that Doctor Strange saw in which they would temporarily be either killed or defeated and then brought back somehow in some kind of way. I think whenever time travel is involved, you can't fully trust what you're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I imagine that this is not the end. I have to believe this is not the end. And again, maybe this is my own denial talking <laughs> or my own optimism talking, but I think that we're going to see these characters come back. And I think Dr. Strange is probably at the root of it. That's a very interesting point you just had about Doctor Strange and what he said and where it's going. And it kind of sparked a little thought in my mind that the only way that they win out of the 14 million is they, you know, we talk about acceptance all the time and you accept the fate that comes to you. You know, going back to Thanos and his own grief and everything, he actually gets what he wants, but he realizes he doesn't want it and maybe he'll turn it back. You know... Um, I hope it's okay for me to turn to another fandom for just a second. But in Harry Potter, for example, Harry knows that he has to die in order to stop Voldemort because he is the last Horcrux, right? So he has to accept that he has to make this sacrifice. But ultimately, he actually doesn't die. He's able to destroy the last Horcrux, but is able to then come back even stronger and then destroy Voldemort. So I'm wondering if there will be something to that extent where... Thanos needed to win this in order to lose the war. Well, we also have to acknowledge the introduction of the Soul Stone, right? Actually, the Russo brothers, I believe, have just acknowledged the importance of the Soul Stone. So if I'm understanding everything correctly, I think that Gamora is actually trapped in a Soul Stone and most likely the others are too. And I think that the visions that Thanos was having when he was seeing little Gamora were more the effects of the soul stone, um, not his memories. So if all of that is to be believed, then it's possible that Gamora is still alive. And it's possible that he only needed to believe that she was dead. But I think she's actually trapped in the soul stone itself. And I think she's probably going to be the key to bringing everybody back. She was the one that was the tipping point for the increase in Thanos' power, and I also believe she will be the answer for restoring it back. Right. We want to end this episode with the hope. You know, there's hope. And we wanted to just make this episode as fast as we can to provide you guys all out there with this big virtual hug because we all need it. We're all grieving. We all feel it. Know that you're not alone. We're going to go ahead and end this episode of Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. Again, I'm your host, Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill, Quill like the feather or Quill like Peter Quill. And you can find me under Superhero Therapy everywhere else. Keep talking to your friends out there. Keep communicating. Keep those connections going. And we'll all heal together. Take care, everybody. Bye.